through the preaching of your word. We thank you and we praise you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and thank God. Thank you, Jesus. There is a word from the Lord. And if you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to the Gospel of John? Chapter number 15. The Gospel of John. Chapter 15. Beginning at verse number one, it reads, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Again, he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches, and he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. And if a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. And if you abide in me and in my word abide in you, in my word abide in, in you, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so that ye be my disciples. And as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. This morning for a little while I'd like to preach from the thought, Abiding in Jesus. Abiding in Jesus. This text is written a few short hours before Jesus would be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the last final night that the disciples would spend with Jesus. It was a night that was filled with excitement, but yes, dismay. Because the night begins with Jesus expressing his eternal love for his disciples. It starts with Jesus showing how we are to serve one another. For it was Jesus, the Lord, the Christ, that removed his garment took a towel and told his disciples to sit as he washed their feet. And understanding that the washing of the feet was the lowest form of servitude that anyone could have. But Jesus is setting an example for them. 
But the whole night changes when Jesus expresses to them that he must go away. That he's going to be handed into the hands of sinful men. And that he would be crucified. And this is something that the disciples had a hard time with. But Jesus tells them in the 14th chapter, verse number one, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, for in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. So he takes this opportunity to try to encourage them. Let them know that you, you're still in my hands. Even though I will not be here physically with you, you're still in my hands. Jesus Christ still has control of the situation. But us being in our flesh and being moved and motivated by our flesh, this despair has set in. They are feeling rejected because they realize they'll no longer have the physical Christ here with them. But understand, what they did not understand is that, that, that Christ was going to do more in their absence than he could if he had stayed there with them. Because had not Christ left and went back to the Father, he would have never sent the Holy Spirit that might shed his love upon us. It ushered in the work of God's Holy Spirit and the work that the Spirit desires to do in our lives. And so after further counseling them, telling them that God will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. In other words, I know that you're agitated right now. I know that you're perplexed and you're confused right now. But my father's going to spend, send the Holy Spirit that will give you comfort, that will give you peace. And understand, brothers and sisters, that there's not a price that can be put on peace. If you don't have peace, you don't have anything. And so he said that he will come not only to give you comfort, but he'll also give you peace. Yet and still, these disciples still could not grasp this whole concept. They had become so attached to Jesus. And I, and I would today that, 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 that Christians nowadays would become attached to Jesus. Understand the importance of attaching ourselves and abiding in Christ. Because in this last and wicked days, that's the only way that you're going to make it is that you abide in the bread, in the vine. And so Jesus in chapter 15 gives them this analogy. And true to form, Jesus uses something that they were familiar with. Because you could look outside your window in this region and see a great branch or bush growing everywhere. And so he uses this analogy of this great Bush, and he says that I am 
the true vine. Now, for him to say that I am the true vine, it implies that there was a false vine at one time. And there was because Israel was supposed to be that vine. They were the ones that were supposed to give the word of God and give instructions to the rest of the world. But they failed miserably. And so Jesus came himself, wrapped himself in flesh came down here for a purpose, that he might be that true vine. The work of the vine is important. It is critical to the life of the entire bush. Because through the vine is where you get nourishment and life. And so the relationship between Jesus Christ and us is that he is the giver of life. He is the one that gives us life. He is the sustainer of our life. He is the redeemer of our lives. And so he said that I am the true vine. He said, and my father is the husbandman. The husbandman was the vine dresser. It was his responsibility to watch and to monitor the growth of the bush. And so as Jesus is giving us life and nourishing us, God the Father is superintending all of it. He's watching. And he's looking for fruit. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for fruit. Look at here in verse number two. He says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth even more fruit. In the text it said that every branch that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. In the Greek, that word taketh away actually means to lift up. In other words, he puts it into position that it might be able to bear some fruit. There's a difference between this taking away and him talking about it being cast into the fire later on in the text. In other words, there's some time that God has to position you that you might be able to bear some fruit. A lot of us are out of position and we cannot bear fruit until God gets us in the right position. In other words, God said, position yourself that you might be able to bear the fruit that are necessary. And you really, we really need to be fruit of inspectors of ourselves. That's what we really need to do. We need to identify, are we bearing fruit? And if we are, where is the evidence of it? But he says, he said that even those who are bearing fruit, he's going to purge. And if you know anything about purging, purging is not a comfortable situation. There are some times that God will put you in a very uncomfortable situation. Because he, know, he needs to let you know, uh, identify and know how to forgive folk. There are some Christians that are struggling with forgiving some other people. And God will put you in a position to where you have to go and you'll have to forgive some folk. There are times that God will cut off your resources. That you might show the fruits of faith. 
and trusting him. There are times that God will put you in situations where you're going to have to put up with a mean-spirited boss. And you're going to have to show the fruit of patience. Being able to wait on the Lord. God will put you so low to where you can't do nothing but look up in joy and experience the fruit of joy in your heart. Why? Because he purges us. Every time you get comfortable in your situation, God will switch it on you. Because this call to service is not a call to be comfortable. It's a call to be committed. It's a call to be loving and kind. It's a call to be a a witness unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And so even if you are bearing fruit, I, I, I know sometimes we get stuck on ourselves. You can always bear more fruit. And so here's the text. He said that, that, that the father or the, the husband man will purge you. will start cutting some things out of your life. He'll start taking some people out of your life. Some people that you didn't want him to take out of your life. Some people that you had made a God out of. And God will begin to remove them. That you might bear fruit unto his glory. That's the whole concept behind this. Abiding in him. That we might be able to bear fruit. Not only that, 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 but God wants us to be pure, pure in nature. In verse 3, he says, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Understand that the word is the only cleaning agent that we've been given by God to clean us. Look at what Hebrews 4 says, and 12 says, for the word of God is alive. And powerful. It is sharper than a uh, two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and the marrow. And it exposes our inner thoughts and our desires. This is what the word does in our lives. It is a part of the purging process. So as we begin to live God's word, as we begin to get God's word down inside of us, it acts as a cutting agent as well as a cleaning agent. It will cut some of them things, the, the way you feel, the way you, 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 you operate in your life. It'll cut those things out. But it also has some medicinal purposes, which it will cleanse and medicate those areas. It'll make you clean through and through. Listen here, listen here. This is what James word. We Not only are we to be washed by his word, but we are to obey his word. James 1 says, but do not, uh, do not listen to God's, but don't listen to God's word. You must do what God's word says. In other words, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer of God's word. This is what the scripture says. Understand, what, what, what good does it do you if you, if you, if you you're just hear God's word? 
There are some folk that have memorized God's word, know it backwards and forward, but they ain't doing God's word. God wants us to be doers of his word, because when we become doers of his word, then we become that perfect example for the world to see us. You, you talking one thing, but you're doing a whole different other thing. I, I, I don't want to be a part of that. That does not demonstrate God, the consistency of God. God said it in his word, and that's final. So while you walk around here quoting scriptures, how are you living? How, how, how are you treating folk? You cannot praise God and curse me out at the same time. What is the word of God doing inside of you? It's alive. It is working within you. At least it should be. And so here we told, we're, we're told in, in, in verse number four that we are to abide in him. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. And understand that there's a benefit, there's a blessing in abiding in Jesus. Because what abide means in the Greek, it means to be steadfast. It means to remain. It means to be consistent. It means to be continuous. It means to be not moved. It means not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. It means to stay put where God has placed you. Because understand that when you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit took you out of this world and placed you into the family of God. So abide there. Stay there. Because when we abide in the Lord, we have the Lord's protection. Understand that, 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 that these disciples would need God's protection. They would need to abide because there was going to come some tribulation that they had never seen before. Jesus was arrested and the first thing they did was they ran and they scattered. Why? Because they were fearful. But understand that when you come and you abide in the Lord, when you are in Christ Jesus, there ain't no need to fear anything. Because no matter what comes up against you, God has got you. God protects you. God keeps you. You are in the ark of safety. And all of us, every last one of us needs the protection that God offers. We're living in a world where mass shootings has, 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 has come to an epidemic rate. Every week we're hearing of a mass shooting. You can't even go to the grocery store. You can't even go to, to, to your job and feel safe. We can't feel safe even in our own homes. Where can you feel safe? You can't even be safe even in the church. 
It's not enough for you to abide in the church. Jesus never told you to abide in the church. He said that we are to abide in him. And in him there is protection. But not only is there protection, there's provisions when we provide, when we abide in him. God provides for us everything that you need. God will provide for you. Why? Because he's that type of God. It's that love that he has for us that God will provide your every need. And he'll even give you some of the things that you want. Listen, listen here. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what kind of God I serve. God has given me some stuff I didn't even ask for. I never, I didn't even have my, in my mind that I would need this, but God knew before I was even able to conceive it in my mind. And God made provisions even before I asked him for it. Because God is mindful of you. God knows everything that you stand in need of. And God will give you what you need. And yes, even some of the desires of your heart. If you just abide in him, you just get in him. To abide in him means to pull up close to Jesus. Snuggle up with him. Have that level of intimacy with him. That's what he wants. That's what he desires from you. The problem is that you don't even really know the benefit of it. You don't even understand the benefit of abiding with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because beyond the fact that he'll protect you, that he'll provide for you, but God will also promote you. And this is not the same promotion that we think of in the world today. Yes, these disciples were afraid. They were running. But if you fast forward to the book of Acts, you'll find that they became pillars of the faith. God had promoted them because they were abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was God that gave them the power and the authority when the Holy Ghost came upon them to be able to preach. And guess what? 5,000 people were added to the church in a short period of time. Why? Because God had anointed them. He had appointed them. He had given them the power to be able to do it. And understand that God wants to do the same for you. God desires to bless you in that area. So he, he protects us. He pro- provides for us. He promotes us. But did you not know he also prospers us? Again, we're not using the prosper in the sense of what we know prosperous is. Because in the Greek, prosper actually means to succeed. Prosperity is not necessarily about money, but it is more about the favor of God in your life. Did you get that? Because of your abiding, because of your obedience, because of your getting in the presence of God, God will release his favor upon your life. Listen here, you can be prosperous and not have a dime more in your pocket. Listen, let let, let me tell you, when I I learned the concept of this, I didn't have much money. But I learned that, that to abide in God 
made me feel like I had more money. I don't know what happened. I just felt like I had my money. I, I didn't get a raise or anything like that. But God made things work out for me that I had no control over. I was basking in experiencing the favor of God. And that's really what it's about when you abide in him. But understand that, that, that it's not only him that he tells these disciples to abide in. He also tells them that they must abide in his word. Abiding in God's word is remembering the things that you were taught, the word of God. The problem with most of us and why we cannot abide in his word is because we don't know his word. Hello, somebody. You see, you cannot abide in his word if you don't know his word. And the only way that you're going to know his word is that you come and you participate in the teaching ministries of his word. Every believer should be a part of some type of teaching ministry. You cannot abide in something that you do not know. Because it's his word that's going to do it in our lives. It's his word that's going to sustain us. It's his word that's going to give us wisdom. It's his word that's going to give us direction. It's through his word. And so we must be steadfast in his word. We must be linked arm in arm with the word of God. You see, because when you are in abiding in his word, you lose all your rights to your own opinions. Well, once again, because the reality of it is when we place our opinions next to God's word, it means absolutely nothing. Doesn't mean anything. When you line up with God's word, when you're walking according to God's word, then you're abiding with him. Because his word is true. His word will cause you to walk in truth. His word co will convict you when you know you're wrong. We need to abide in his word. Because it's his word. That word that became flesh. His word is the essence of who he is. If God declared it, it shall come to pass. It's all in how you treat him. How you abide in his word. This is what Jesus is telling them. Understand that the disciples didn't have the written New Testament. Had not been written yet. And so what they had is they had what Jesus had spoken in their hearing. We have 66 books of the Bible. We have the written word of God. And so therefore we are without excuse. Understand that when you stand before the Lord, your excuses will go absolutely nowhere. You cannot use the excuse, I did not know. God said, well, you should have known. Because I left you my word to abide in. 
left you my word to give you direction, to give you hope. It's in his word. But finally, he said that we are to abide in his love. So here we go. We find ourselves back at this word love. Do you ever wonder why this word love keeps coming up in Scripture? You think that God is just putting it there just to put it there? No. It is a very important component of our Christian faith is our love. He tells them that you are to love one another. Even as I have loved you. This is the love that we should have for one another. If you say that you have love for God and you don't love your brethren, then you're a liar. And love is what love does. Don't tell me that you love me and you're scandalizing my name. Don't don't, don't tell me you love me and you're stabbing me in my back. You see, because love is demonstrated. My actions will always precede my love for you. Why? Because they are one and the same. I'm going to treat you with love. Even if I have to discipline, it will be in love. Why? Because that's how God disciplines. It's with loving kindness that God deals with us and yes, even disciplines us. So if I tell you that you're in error, it's not because I'm trying to pick on you. It's because I love you enough to tell you that you're headed to danger. Understand this. Love is important. It has always been important to God. Because the scripture said that God is love. The very essence of God is love. And if you are abiding in Christ, if you are abiding in his word, you must abide in his love. These are all cohesive. They all come together. You cannot separate them. In other words, you cannot say you're abiding in Christ and you're not loving people. You cannot say that you're abiding in his word and disregard what his word says. That you are to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, and thy strength. And to love thy neighbor as thyself. There's a consistency in abiding in the vine. It's where we get our life from. And understand that, that he mentions here in this text the number one manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit, and that is to love. People will know that you are his disciples. They'll know that you belong to Christ if you love one another. But if we're just backbiting, if we're tearing one another down, 
if we're consuming one another, then we're not demonstrating the love of Christ. This is what he wanted them to understand. That abiding in me gives you an ability to be sustained during the most difficult time of your life. And that's exactly what happened. Because Jesus did go on after giving them this and praying for them. He went on to Gethsemane where he prayed before the Father. He knew what was headed before him. He knew the sufferings of the cross was just a few hours away. He knew that the scourging, the beatings, the ridicule, the turning their backs on him was just a few hours away. And so Judas, who was not with the 11 at this time, shows up with a band of soldiers from the temple guard. And that very hour, he betrays Jesus Christ. He betrays him with a kiss. Out of all things that he could have betrayed him with, it's with a kiss, a show of affection. Jesus was arrested, taken before the Sanhedrin court. They had convicted him of crime that he had never committed. They sentenced him to go before Pilate because Pilate was the only one that could give the, the sentence of death. And that's what they had in mind. They wanted Jesus to die the death of crucifixion. Pilate took him after questioning him, took him back before the people. He said, I can release one prisoner. Will it be Jesus or will it be Barabbas? The mob crowd cried out, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. He said, what must I do with Jesus? What should I do with Jesus? And I can still hear it ringing in my ear. They said, crucify him. Crucify him. And that they did. Pilate sentenced him to death. Understand that this is God's plan for salvation. I know the Jews thought they were doing something that they were destroying Jesus. But no, Jesus can never be destroyed. Jesus had to come. He had to die this type of death. And they were simply instruments of the enemy's camp. They nailed him to a cross out on Calvary. They nailed him in his hands. They nailed him in his feet. He died for our sins. He gave us something to abide in. That was the love that you've seen on Calvary's cross. It took love for him to do that. He didn't have to do it, but he did. He surrendered all. Gave himself. Nailed him in his hands, nailed him in his feet. Pierced him in his side. He did that for you. He suffered, bled, and died. Yes, he died that day. They buried him in a tomb. Satan thought he had won. But oh, early on the third day, he rose victoriously. 
with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. We have the victory because of what Christ did upon the cross. He gave himself for us. And now we have his spirit living inside of us. It's by the spirit of Christ that I exist. It's by the spirit of Christ that I move. I have my being. It's the spirit of Christ that he gave to me. And I will never forsake him. I will never detach myself from the vine, even if I could. I'll always be attached to him. As long as I have life, it's the life that he gives me through abiding in him. You have the same life if you are in Christ Jesus. If you're abiding in him, abiding in his word, abide in his love as well. Because it was this love that took him to the cross. But understand that Jesus' work is still not done. Because the record declares that he's sitting at the right hand side of the Father making intercession for us. In other words, Jesus is still praying for you. And his prayer is that you would continue to abide in him. I know you're getting weary. I know you get you know, some hardships. But keep abiding. Don't give up. Because he's coming back again. Yes, he is. He's coming back for his church. And, and as, as Reverend Howard say, I want to be rapture ready. I want to be ready for when the Lord comes back. I'm ready to go. I don't have to pack no bags. I don't have to empty out no bank accounts. I'm ready right now, God, if you come back. He's coming back for his church. He's going to come back and set up his kingdom here on earth. And there we shall be. We will rule with him. Because if you suffer with him, you're going to reign with him. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Abiding in the... Abiding. Is there one?